With Easter coming up this next weekend, if you're looking for something to put in your child's Easter basket or as a gift, we want to talk to you about a children's book because we know that books are kind of a lost art of reading. With computers and tablets, so many kids are reading on technology. It's nice to give them an old-fashioned book with pages that they can turn. So this episode of Cheese and Crackers is brought to you by the children's book, Myrtle the Turtle and the Strange Animals by Ben Hecker. You can find this book on Amazon and with free prime two-day shipping, you can have it here in time for Easter. Hi everyone, I'm Bria. And I'm Krista. And thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cheese and Crackers. First off, we're going to start by saying thank you for all the support and outreach we had last week regarding last week's episode and the podcast in general. It's really refreshing and nice to know that we are helping heal a bunch of people and we are listening to their stories and they feel comfortable sharing them. And another thing that was brought up by fellow supporters was how we haven't touched on resources yet. There's kind of a reason why we haven't in our situation. We had kind of the lack of resources, which is kind of why we decided to create this podcast. And as we continue throughout the journey, we will kind of touch on what was there for us in our specific situation. But just know that we are creating resources as we speak, and we will talk about those in upcoming episodes as well. With that being said, we want to give credit to the resources that we did use and have, and we'll do that on a future podcast. Like Bria said, hang on, because we're going to try to create some that help people with really what we needed at the time. For today's story, let's start back where we finished last time and we talked a little bit about Bria going on her vacation and what happened when she came home and we talked about me having my back injured. We wanna kind of go back to that point in the story and share a little bit more. Really, what the plan is, is to bring you guys up to speed kind of to when everything happened and I filed for divorce papers. So there's a lot of little things that happened, but we want to touch upon the major ones. So we feel like you have the whole background and the whole story, or at least enough that you'll understand why we're doing what we're doing. I would say that there were a few cracks in the facade that came along as time went on, especially after the whole back incident. And one of those was social media. He would sleep a good majority of the day and then he'd be up all night or at least the majority of the night playing on the computer and he would I would say be called a keyboard warrior where he would sit behind his keyboard and respond to people's posts not do it in a nice way and sometimes I think he would actually say it to their face if he could, but other times I think he hid behind the computer and the screen too. One of the things that we fought about was that people started reaching out to me about his behavior on Facebook. And I'm going to read you a message that I received from a gal that we've known for years. I met her when I first started teaching and I would consider her a good family friend. And she sent me a message saying, Hey Krista, I hate to say this, but in good conscience, I don't feel comfortable shopping in your store anymore. I know everyone has their own beliefs and stand up for them. That's great. But when you start to feel like a punching bag for a bully, enough is enough. He is so rude and bullish that quite a few people have blocked him. He's singling people out and calling names. I'm pretty tough, but I will not spend my money in a place where I feel judged and belittled. 
I hate this because I have no issues with you and I love your store. That was one incident. Then a couple days later, I received another one. It was from a gentleman who also shopped at our store and he sent me a message and said, Krista, your husband is crossing the line on Facebook with his tagging of my wife in political posts. People are starting to believe he is mentally ill. If this continues, he is going to force a reaction no one wants. So I had spoken to him about the first one and again about the second one. I said that I didn't really push his buttons, but at the same time, I stood up for myself and I didn't like the fact that it was my reputation in my store along with his that was going to basically seek the harm that he was doing. And so I told him, you know, not acceptable. When people start emailing me about it or sending messages to me on Messenger, then that's a line that you've crossed. So he decided he would delete his Facebook account, okay? Well, in the meantime, he would get on mine because he knew my password and stuff. And, and when I caught him on it, he told me it was simply to check the score of like a ball game, this or that. But I really think he missed social media and that connection. So he was using mine to creep on people. He actually created a fake account, but then he didn't use it. And I think it's because he didn't have any friends on that one. So, you know, hindsight is always better. And I, I believe he was using my account more than I even realized, but he was at least smart enough to not post as me. But I had an incident where a teacher called me and apologized about a post that she had made that offended me. And I had no idea what she was talking about. In the meantime, I came home and asked him if, if he knew anything. And he says, oh yeah, I do. And what he had done was he had taken a message that she had posted on Facebook, taken a screenshot, sent it to his friend who was a school board member, who then sent it to the superintendent because apparently they didn't feel it was appropriate. Now, I can tell you, I don't know what the post was. I, If you ask me today, I couldn't tell you what it was about. When the superintendent showed it to her, it had my name at the top where it was my account that it came from. So that's how it was connected back to me. So I called this teacher back and apologized to her and told her that I knew nothing about it, had nothing to do with it, and my estranged husband had done this without my knowledge. And to this day, I'm still not sure if she believes me, but it's just another way that he was constantly having to have issues or drama with someone. And prove that he was right. I think he also thought that he was right in regards to any opinion, as you guys already know. And social media was definitely a way for him to outcast his opinion on it and think that he was still in the right. And after our first episode, I received another message on Messenger from a person, and it said that, I enjoy a good political discussion and debate on social media, as you probably know. He and I had several, but he couldn't remain civil and would get rude, disrespectful, and aggressive to the point where I blocked him. I only bring this up because while I'm sad that you're going through this, I'm not surprised. Again, I wish you and your girls well. I, I think that's the other part to point out is that when you have some of the behaviors that he was showing and when you're spitting out of control, 
it's harder and harder to keep them in check. And so not only is he lashing out at us, but he's lashing out at more people over social media too. I think that's one of the character traits that's easy to look for, even if it's not the person that you're living with, if you have a friend or somebody going through it, I think there's little things like that that could be red flags that you could see along the way if you know what to look for, but you have to look for them. Would you agree? Yeah, and so I think that kind of brings us to another character trait that he easily hid behind and kind of portrayed himself to be this great guy, and that was animal hoarding. <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of animals. We live in the country and you would get strays people would dump them out here and it became where he wanted to keep them all and sometimes he'd go to you know he'd rescue them too and i can't say that you girls haven't brought any home and i rescued one a cat a kitten when i filed for divorce we had 13 cats and four dogs yeah, so it was constantly like a zoo, and... <laughs> Literally. I would say that in 2019 is kind of when we started really accumulating a lot of them, especially dogs. We already had two dogs at the time, and then we had one show up. That was a stray that we kept. And then we also, well, he decided to adopt this dog during one of the busiest sale days at the store. He just kind of up and left and went to adopt this dog without letting any of us know ahead of time. And it was a German Shepherd and I said that I wanted to have another German Shepherd but when I said I wanted another German Shepherd someday I kind of meant from a puppy where you could train it, raise it, grow it, and and work, work with, with it. it. And that wasn't the case with this dog. Before they even got it home from Heartland Humane Society it had ran off and ran away from him out there before they even got it in the car so that should have been the first clue. He was always going out of his way to talk about how he was donating to the shelters and it wasn't only just the one in our town it was surrounding communities too but he would always like brag about it essentially and be like oh well I just donated this out of my paycheck or I just brought them this these many supplies, which is great and all, but it was almost, again, an ego validation type character trait where he constantly had to put himself up on a pedestal and make himself think that he was this great guy for helping out animals, which he'd help out animals, but he wouldn't really help out people. And the other part about the whole helping out animals thing I think people need to know is that he as he was spiraling, he kept saying, well, I like animals. I like animals better than people. I'd rather be around my pets than I'd rather be around people. And 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 he'd want them, but yet he wouldn't take care of them after we got them. Yeah, so as my mom already stated, my dad was home most of the times. I was running the family business, as you all know, and he would only maybe put in two to three hours a week at the store and so the other time he was actually at home with all of the animals and so we had 14 cats inside our house at the time they weren't all outside cats now they are after he left because we could have the control to do that they and, were they were supposed to be outside cats right they started that way and then as he changed that changed and they kind of found themselves 
inside and so right now we only have one inside cat which is my cat that I've had since I was 10 so like that's okay but but he also is declawed and the other ones have claws so for country reasons he's inside sidebar there but the animals would basically create messes and he would be at home with them and he would wait all day until we got home and make us clean them up even though he was with the animals and watched it happen it it was it was to the point where I think all three of us girls resented that and resented the fact that he wouldn't pull his weight but yet we'd tell him it'd be nice weather and there was no reason they couldn't be outside but they'd come to the door so he'd let them in and and yeah like Bria said we'd have hairballs we'd have messes things to clean up and it was just gross it was a lot it was a lot to come home from school or a full-time job or my mom teaching school and then have to deal with messes after messes after messes when there was literally no rhyme or reason for it other than the fact that he didn't want to clean it up himself or he didn't want to leave the cats outside or he didn't want to get get up out of bed to let them outside this brings us to another story which i think is big or pivotal in our story overall is the fact that we fought a lot about the animals and i i was vocal about it i think we all were towards the end we were all tired of that so it was i would say late spring early summer and i had came home and done stuff around the house and he was still in bed and I cleaned up a couple messes and continued doing stuff and then I I can't remember what I was doing next but I I went back through the house and there was another mess and I just finished cleaning him up so I was hot and I went in and I woke him up and I said you're not gonna believe this but you know I just cleaned up another mess this is like the how many numerous times tonight I'm done this is stupid they're all going out I've had it and he mumbled something and I couldn't even tell you what he mumbled but basically he didn't get out of bed and so I was mad and I was pouting and so I went to the living room and sat down and turned on the tv and didn't clean up the mess yet I knew I would but I I hadn't at that point next thing I know I'm sitting on the couch and I think it was Bria that came out to talk to me and I seriously don't know what happened, but everything went black and I felt something horrible on my face or hit my face and I had blood everywhere. And that was because my father decided to pick up whatever he could find nearest to him, which at that case was a Ugg snow boot because, you know, it was springtime and we still had snow. And he chucked it pretty hard across the living room and hit my mom in the nose so hard that it gave her a black eye, a permanent scar that she still has to this day. And she had to cover it up with makeup the next day to go to school so she wouldn't get questioned for it. There was a few times like that that I covered up with makeup, a fat lip or a black eye or those kind of things. And for the most part, most people didn't really know or recognize it, but a few did. So this was one that was bad. You know, you could tell he was so mad. And when he got up, it was more about how you woke me up and it wasn't anything to do with like the messes or anything like that. I deserved it. I deserved the boot to the face. I deserved the bloody nose and the blood dripping down all over because I had provoked him, him up and provoked him. So I went downstairs to get away from him and I 
called my neighbors next door and sent them a picture so they'd know in case anything else happened because at that time things could go either way where he could you know move on from it or he could just get more and more agitated and it get worse before the night was over so I kind of put him on standby because our plan was always the girls and I was if something happened that's where they would run or go to. That kind of brings us to our little next story uh, in regards to keeping up with his persona as the good guy or in this case this is a story about his appearance but over that year he decided to grow a beard and that was something that he's never done before or like he has but he never kept it for an extended amount of period like he did this time and for some reason he had some infatuation with his beard and it was pretty weird and it still is to this day when I think about it but he was always seeking validation for it he would ask us if he liked his beard if we told him no then he would get mad and explode on us and then we'd have to either agree with him and say yes so we, he would drop the subject but this was an everyday thing he also made us dye his beard when it was turning gray and <laughs> not me <you>. it, yeah <laughs> i got stuck doing that all the time i don't know if it's because i waxed my eyebrows and he wanted me to do his beard or what but that got old as well and he was so i don't know he just had this thing about his beard where we'd go out to eat and on multiple occasions he would ask our waiter or waitress if they liked his beard and it made them uncomfortable as well as me and my mom and sister because a who brings that up to the person that's bringing you food to eat and two who even says that like if you like your look then you should be confident in your look and not seek validation from others and I don't think he ever got that concept but it was just something that I think he hid behind or that he tried to have this attachment to. But the waitress and the waiters were always like, oh yeah, I like it, uh-huh, it looks good. And you could always tell that they were nervous and they didn't know what to say because A, they've probably never been asked that question, <laughs> and B, it's you don't know what to say when you're put in that situation. And so I, one day, made the comment to my dad about how our next door neighbors jokingly said oh yeah we saw you we saw your dad with his beard he looks kind of creepy and I don't know why I brought it up to him I said it as a joke I was like oh well they think you're creepy anyway especially with your beard and he actually laughed at this he he actually took it pretty well or so we thought and because sometimes he would joke about it some, yeah sometimes he would not everything was always serious but um but it was always when it was convenient for him or yeah when he wanted to without a doubt we, we never knew what to expect and it was on that night that he was outside at our fire pit having a fire and listening to music and he came inside while my mom and I were watching Netflix and I told him about the comment they made and he laughed and then went back outside and not even five minutes later he came in just aggravated angry and looking to start a fight and he had his teeth clenched his face was red he was exploding like he normally does so I could tell this was gonna get bad but it was this scenario where things definitely escalated and kind of where we began to or my mom began to create this plan to get us out I'm going to play part of the videotape because that night he was so out of control that I knew something was gonna happen and it wasn't going to get better but I wasn't sure what so I just turned my phone on screen record and turned it over so 
He wouldn't know that I was recording it, but I thought I might need it, especially as hostile and agitated as he was. So I cannot play you the full video because there's so many... Explicit words. Exactly. But I can play you a little 14-second clip that you'll get the idea. I've lived to 50 years old. I'm pretty fortunate. If I die tonight, I don't give a fuck. I really don't. I could get that fucking gun and shoot myself right here in front of you guys, but I'd probably take you out first. And the thing about that is, like, he was pretty serious. This was where he was actually headed to get the gun, and my mom and I knew that things were really about to get real as he was walking to where the gun safe was located in our house. So, at that point, we're like, alright, he's definitely lost his marbles tonight, and we have to do something to get us out of the situation, or we're gonna end up dead. And that was just one time out of many that he was threatening to kill us that night. I mean, it was he was threatening to fight the neighbor who said it. He was sending them group text messages. Um, he, he was out of control and out of line, totally. And like she said, he said this stuff before, but when he really went to walk to get the gun, that's when we knew he was probably going to follow through with this. So he eventually went outside and when he went outside in that little time we packed a bag and we went to my grandma's house but this was actually the night before the first day of school for my mom and sister so we couldn't stay at home that evening because we probably would not have woken up if we were my mom told my sister to not go home but instead we had a bag packed for her and meet us at our grandma's so she didn't get hurt if she came home so we went there and we tried to sleep, but we really thought that he might come there. So it was like sleeping, but listening and waiting and wondering and just that whole, and anybody who's ever been in this situation knows what that's like because you just don't know what's going to happen next. You're on edge. The adrenaline that you have running through your body is already heightened, but when you add something in a life or death situation like this case, it takes it to a whole nother level. And I want to I want to pause here for a minute, Bria, because I think it's important that listeners know that if somebody's going through this, you you don't know how to best act at that time. You don't know whether it's to to say anything, to talk back, to try to leave. You don't know what's going to make the situation worse because it's so volatile and it goes so many different directions so quick. So until you're in that situation you don't really know the best action. And I always thought, oh, you know, I'd never be in that position. And and we'll talk more about this later. But, but I was. I was in that position many times that I wasn't sure the right thing to do and how to do it and how to get us out of it. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where we talk about, like, in the first episode where we thought we had the answers to fix it or we tried to fix or control the situation. But towards the end, no matter what you did, you couldn't fix it. You couldn't control it. And if you did it one way, it wasn't going to work. And if you tried it another way, it wasn't going to work. There were no real solutions when somebody's that out of it mentally. And you just kind of flow with it. You kind of roll with the punches. It was after the the whole cat incident and the boot and then this and stuff that I thought I would have a conversation or maybe be able to bring it up with a couple. It was his nephew and his wife. And, and you know, at that time, 
your friends are kind of limited and who you'll go out to eat with and that kind of stuff. But he always felt comfortable going out to eat with his nephew. They'd call and ask us out. And so we started doing more stuff with them over the last summer. And so we were going out to eat quite often. And I knew that they might be people that could help the situation. And I counted on them to say something or try to help me in that moment or reason with them like as a soundboard yeah i just thought maybe they could help me have get him the help that i knew he needed so i told him about the whole cat thing and in the mess and the boot and i really thought that that they would understand how severe it is that he's throwing things and striking me and and the wife had been in a similar situation with domestic violence and so i thought this is my time and my chance instead I mean I think it did kind of catch him off guard because they laughed about it and stuff but didn't really say a lot but it didn't help me because when I got home he was mad that I brought it up to him and so then I had to pay the price for the next several days and that's kind of why once again we had to hide things because if we did go out of our way or bring it up or even if he caught wind that we told somebody about his actions and what he was doing it would result in us getting hurt and paying the price and the consequences. And I I really think I want to caution people to to just know before you talk to somebody and you tell them or you think that they're going to help them, the people that you think might help you the most that really understand and know the situation might not come through for you or help you like that. Because and- even even after this happened and I filed for divorce it was they thought they were telling other people that it was my fault because I served him with a protective order and I think this goes to show people that or at least in our situation that you can't always trust everybody that's in your circle and the people that are going to be there for you you find out who's really there for you in the end and they're not the only example that we have in our situation unfortunately we found out Uh, who's really there for us and who's not and at the end of the day I'd rather know than have somebody that's going to go behind our backs and not be there for us when we really need them especially in the tough times that we were in but just yeah just know that you're that who you think's in your support system might not always be in your support system so I guess I want to stop for a minute Bria and tell them that if they feel like they need to reach out to somebody and they want somebody to keep their secret they can reach out to us. All of our social media handles are in the description below, so if you ever want to reach out to us and contact us or you just need some advice, we are 110% there for you because it's something, once again, in our journey that we kind of lacked, and thankfully we did have the close friends and family and neighbors next door in our support system, but it was also really tough and challenging on trying to figure out who has your back and who you can trust. So we definitely know where you're coming from as we've been in that position before. We want to make sure that if you're going through something like this and you need somebody to reach out to, you can contact us with our social media handles or our email, cheeseandcrackersus at gmail.com. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes it wasn't about reaching out. I want to bring my best friend on, but over the years, I would share things with her or I would send pictures to her in case anything ever happened to me. And and if you just need us to be that person for you, just somebody to get it off your chest because it'll you'll feel better if you can at least tell somebody. Mm-hmm. But 
but at the same time that doesn't mean you want that somebody to do anything yeah you just want them to know and for me i didn't really tell anybody what i was going through until after it happened the only person i really told was my grandma because she actually knew and she kind of picked up on the situation before anybody else did and so i could talk to her and she would give me advice but if i didn't have her to talk to or support me one-on-one because as my family my mom's sister and i we never talked to each other about it because it was just a weird thing to talk about because we all experienced it and lived it but if i didn't have my grandma to talk to I don't know what I would have done coping-wise, and I definitely don't think it's healthy to keep it all in. So we're going to end on that note, but again, we do want to say that we will share more resources, strategies, things that we use to help us with our healing later on in the podcasts, but we've got to do this background work first to set everything up for you. So thanks for staying with us. Thanks for coming back and listening again. We so appreciate it. And you can find us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Music, Amazon Music, and more. And for those that have reached out to us saying that they don't want to create an account, that's perfectly fine. You can still listen to our podcast. You can listen to it at cheeseandcrackers.us. And on that website, there will be a little green play symbol icon where you can listen to each and every episode without having to create an account and you can listen to our next episode on monday morning thanks for all your support and see you next week